Welcome to The Book Alchemist. I'm your host, Heather Sutty. Life is too short for shit books. So on this podcast, we only trade on great recommendations. My guest today is Anna Campbell-Jones, who found fame in her 50s as one of the hosts of Scotland's Home of the Year. An interior designer and avid reader, Anna shares some of the books which have shaped her life. Anna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So excited to have you in front of me instead of on my TV screen. (laughs) Tell me about your love of reading. Have you always been into reading? Yes, yes. I think like lots of people, like when you're a child and you want to escape to fantasy worlds and daydream about being um, a warrior or, or a princess or a, or a fish, then you can uh, you read a book and you can go into these worlds and uh, you start that habit young, it stays with you. You're busy with presenting Scotland's Home of the Year. You also have your own des- uh, design label. You do interior design, but you've also launched your own brand. I have. It's very exciting. Three months old. (laughs) Do you find time to read now? Yes, yes, I do. I'm a bedtime reader. I find it difficult to concentrate during the day. I think you're always thinking about like emails or if there's a phone call coming in or if there's something to do for for work. But in the evening with the cat, a few (laughs) chapters of a book is just the best way to end the day. Now, are you Kindle... Paperback or audiobook? Always a real book. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) And are you reading anything that's particularly striking a chord with where you're at at this point in your life? Well, I'm reading the book from the top of my TBR pile that I got for Christmas from my partner, Friendaholic by Elizabeth Day. Absolutely fascinating, a very personal insight into the nature of friendships and how how deep and profound and life-changing really strong friendships can be. Now, I've not read this particular book. I have read Elizabeth Day's novels, and that was very many years ago, but I follow her on Instagram because she's just super interesting and dead stylish. What have you learned about friendship from this book? I think I've learned that we make assumptions about what friendship is and that that romantic relationships have rules and friendships don't or at least they're kind of self-generated rules so there's quite a lot of negotiation and sometimes some misunderstanding on either side but when you find that true profound friendship it can last for your whole life it's I mean they're they're incredibly important relationships I think that's what the book really highlights It's, it's not trivial a friendship isn't trivial it's incredibly important romantic relationships can come and go but friendships are can be for life That's a really interesting point. It's funny. It's something that I've not really ever thought about because I'm funny about friendships. I think because I've been hurt in the past by people who've let me down that I'm I'm kind of reticent to have lots of friends, if that makes sense. So my best friend would probably be my partner of 12 years, Ross, because, you know, we live together. We know each other inside out and there is no one that I would rather spend more time with than him. And that's that's the case, you know, 99% of the time. And obviously I have friendships from many years ago, but one of the things that I've loved about setting up Bookface and having these, you know, monthly book swaps is the opportunity to meet new people and bond over books. So you're, it's not like a fully fledged friendship. It's a friendship over a love of something. Yes. So friendships can go into categories. Yes. And, um, 
one of the things that she posits in the book is some research that says if you have more than five or six very, very close friendships, that that's too much to handle. And that actually can then become stressful, that to mm -hmm. nurture friendships properly, it's better to focus on fewer, deeper ones. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you can't have lots of friends, but then yeah. they're friends for different reasons. Yeah. Friends for going out dancing or friends for discussing books or, yes, or, or, or friends at work, people who you've got a really good working relationship with yeah. that's a other kind of friendship and I think that's I'm just really enjoying thinking actively about all the very different types of friendships that there are mm -hmm. it's funny I remember when I gave up alcohol 12 years ago which you probably know um, yeah. because I've, we've been in each other's company socially and I found friendships really difficult to navigate at that point because lots of my friends couldn't really grasp why why would I want to stop you know why would you want to not have fun you know and it's funny because a lot of friendships just slipped away as a result of that life decision yes there's a very interesting section in the book about ghosting about friends ghosting each other and whether that's okay or not I don't think she necessarily lands on whether it is okay or not but that perhaps sometimes it's more polite to ghost somebody than to tell them why you don't want to hang out with them anymore mm -hmm. <laughs> I know I mean it's that takes balls though doesn't yeah. it <laughs> yeah uh. yeah so you mentioned your partner Peter gifted you this book what is your kind of go-to resource for reading material like do you do you listen to a lot of podcasts do you accept or, you know, seek out recommendations from friends? Do you read the Sunday Times? You know, do you pick them up in Vogue? Where do you get your ideas for what to read next? Oh, all sorts of places. Secondhand bookshops. I, I quite like the randomness of that because yeah. it's, it's, it's not a curated thing. You just sort of wander about and pick things up and go, oh, that's quite interesting. Peter and I give each other books and I think we're getting better at giving each other books that we know the other person will like because mm -hmm. it's obviously always really tempting to give somebody a book that you want to read <laughs> so that you can get it back. Um, so, yeah, our, our, we, we sort of swap books and then sometimes I'll read a book and I'll go, you won't want to read this or mm -hmm. he'll read one and go, I didn't like this, but I think you will or, yeah, and reading the, reading the I mean, The Guardian at the weekend always has a brilliant rundown of new books coming out and I've just got a permanent ever increasing list of books that I want to read in my phone and an ever increasing pile of books next to my bed. Now speaking of books by your bed interior design is obviously a huge part of your life that's your business and also you present Scotland's Home of the Year. Have you come across any amazing bookshelves that you've been like really taken by? Like do you have a thing for libraries like do you aesthetically like are you turned on by bookshelves oh yes yes <laughs> I am I, um, um, not that long ago I had the absolute joy of being asked by a client to create a library room for them they had two living rooms and they wanted to make one feel like a library so we lined it all with books painted it really dark big comfy velvet sofas soft rugs low lighting it was absolutely heaven and even though it was an enormous room and we lined pretty much the whole thing with bookshelves there was an anxiety about whether there was going to be enough space for all room. the books that they had <laughs> that's so funny and when it comes to I'm always fascinated by people's bookshelves because you know sometimes you go on Instagram and it's you know aesthetically pleasing to have them you know organized in terms of color like how do you organize your bookshelves Oh, well, there's there's two things that have caused huge amounts of controversy on Scotland's Home of the Year. <laughs> um, 
One was a f quite a few years ago with Kate and I having a difference of opinion about whether it was okay to arrange your books uh, in a rainbow. <laughs> I was absolutely like, I know I, I, I need to be able to find a book and I, and I don't remember what color the spine is. <laughs> so it needs to be in the section with the novels or the section with the travel books or whatever. The other one was a couple of years ago where somebody had put their books the other way around. So Oof. that <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I feel dirty even just saying that in front of you, Heather. But um, it does look very pretty. And because it's obviously all this lovely, natural, kind of faded, -y, creamy edges of the paper. And it's a beautiful texture. And the person in question did stress after the huge fallout after the show went out <laughs> that that she'd done it for the for the styling for the for the show at the most of the time that the books are actually the other way around. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was purely for for aesthetic reasons. That's funny because I I always feel tempted to do them in alphabetical order, but then I'm like, well, wait a minute. I have so many of so many different genres that I've not read. So I tend to have them colour coded, but only the ones that I've read. Oh, yes. I suppose we all have, well, it's, it's whatever works for you. Yeah. It's whatever system is going to help you find that book when you go, when you've got a friend that's come around and you're like, oh, I've got to lend you this book. And you want to run into the room where your books are and grab it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I sort of have a system. So I've got like children's books because I've kept so many of the books that I got for the children and also the books that I loved as a child. So they're all in a clump. There's travel stuff together and then there's novels together. And then eye level, I've got the ones that I liked and then higher up are the ones that I didn't. But they're not, but the, the novels, the non-factual is not arranged by genre at all. Although I have put all the books by the same author together. Got not you. alphabetically. <laughs> so yes, as my my system is just as idiosyncratic as yours. It appears. <laughs> so you're a mum of two, Frank and Stan. Yes. Um, tell me about the books that you loved reading with them when they were young. Well, I can tell you about a disaster because when because they are twenty four and twenty two now. So Harry Potter was just out when they were at that age when you would want to read that kind of thing. So I read the original Harry Potter book to them and I I, I found it incredibly difficult to read out loud. <laughs> the, the, the the rhythm of the words and the way that it was signalled who was speaking, that you couldn't hear the voice of the characters in the language that was used. And I was just like, this is rubbish. <laughs> so I went a bit old school with them and I sort of read books to them. I mean, I have read to my children until they were old enough to tell me to leave them alone or, and they wanted to read by themselves since they were babies. I've always, always did it every, sing, every single evening. But yeah, like Treasure Island and the Arabian Nights and Billy Bunter and um, Just William. I mean, just I remember my mum reading the Just William stories to me and my brother and how all three of us would be in absolute fits of hysterical giggles. <laughs> I have to say some of the themes are not maybe so appropriate um, to current kind of thinking, but they are still very, very funny. Funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and funny's funny, isn't it? Yes. And then as soon as they were old enough, I would take them to the library and let them choose 
what books they wanted to have read to them. So when I had less control over it, the, the books were less kind of romantic, old fashioned, I suppose. So we sort of uh, Captain Underpants was a, was a big favourite for a long time. <laughs> Brilliant. And when you're not working, you know, how do you switch off? Like, are you an audiobook person? Do you listen to lots of podcasts? Like, how do you switch off from thinking about design and interiors and fabrics and colours? And, you know, how do you chill? It's a funny one, isn't it? I don't know if you're like this, Heather, but yes, I do lots of different things in my life, whether it's being on the telly or doing a bit of public speaking or teaching or designing things or now kind of marketing my brand or designing products for my brand I find that a lot of the time my brain is it's like a kind of pinball machine it's 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 zooming between all these different things and if I stop thinking about one then another thing will will rush in to fill the void and I find it quite hard to to concentrate looking at a screen if it's leisure like a kindle or something like that I would start to drift. It would start to feel like I was looking at looking at a screen and not reading a book. I find the action of sitting in a darkened room with a reading light and holding a book in my hand and turning the pages, that that's the way that I can completely, completely switch off from everything else and enter into that world. And I don't know if that's just because that's a habit from childhood that mm-hmm. makes it easy for me to do that. But I found that even like watching a movie or listening to a podcast I'll always be doing something else mm-hmm. like like my, my needlepoint or doodling or um sketching something or you know uh, reading is the only thing I think more or less the only thing I do to chill out well that's <laughs> the only thing that I'm doing oh, and it's funny isn't it because you know some people are like that with cooking but I'm the same as you like literally the only time that I'm completely mindful I mean I'm very mindful having this conversation here with you yeah but the only time that I'm completely mindful is when I'm reading. And sometimes if I find myself thinking, oh, I must pick up the dry clean tomorrow or oh, gosh, I forgot to order that for dinner. Da, da, da. I have to stop and then and I start again and I kind of check myself and go, right, get back to the book, Sutty. Yes, you, know? you go back three pages uh-huh. if that happens, don't yeah. you? Yeah, 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 and, yeah, you, yeah. and you give yourself a little slap. <laughs> When it comes to gifting, I know that you uh, swap lots of books with your, your with your partner, but is there one particular book or a number of books that you have gifted to friends over the years? Like, for example, you know, I went through quite a difficult divorce and throughout that period, I was reading a lot of self-help books. And one of the authors that I came across was this author called Marianne Williamson. Right. And she she's American and she's written a number of books. One's called The Gift of Change. And she's in a sort of similar vein to Eckhart Tolle. But because she's a woman, I find her much more relatable. And she's, she talks about things that she's been through. And for some reason, I keep this book, all of her books actually, by my bedside table. And if ever I'm troubled and I can't get to sleep or if I need something like this almost feels like a hug I go to Marianne Williamson. Right, okay. Do you have... I've not read her, but I have to add her to my list as well. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a there's a book. I don't know if you've read Max Porter's book, Lanny. No. Who's Max Porter? Well, I, as you know, I feel like I should have probably done some research before coming and talking to you. Um, <laughs> somebody gave me this book it's a really small little book and it's somewhere in between art and poetry and a story and it's incredibly moving allegorical sort of mystical in a in a way but just a really really 
beautiful book about kind of what it means to be human, what it means to love and what it means to lose. But it's the most unliteral book I've yeah. I've ever read. And I, I, I'm it probably doesn't surprise you that I, I am quite a kind of functional, literal person normally. Mm. And, and I've, I have read some sort of magical realism and so on. And, and the very, very good ones I can cope with. But I'm, I generally don't kind of go towards those more kind of fantastical genres. But this book, it just really, really touched me, like like made my eyes sting. And the sort of sadness and the poignancy and the love in it and the fact that it's an exquisite object, the typography, really? the words are kind of scattered around the page to express the mood. And, and it's, it's absolutely beautiful. So I've given that to a few people because, well, I feel like people could find whatever they want in it. Uh, but it's, 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 a, it's a weird one. It's a very non-typical book for me. Love that. Remind us the title again. It's called Lanny, L-A-N-Y. And it's by Max Porter. Now, can you remember how you came across this book? Was it a gift to you? It was a gift from a friend, yes. Ah. Yes. Books are amazing, aren't they? Yeah. It's funny yeah. how you can you can really, I think with, with the right book gift, you can really give someone courage, peace of mind, inspiration, love. It's like... I think giving somebody you love a book that you know they will love is just one of the most beautiful things you can do. It really shows that you see that person. It shows that you understand them. Yeah. And it's just a, it's a lovely way of, a lovely, subtle, gentle way of reaching out to somebody and letting them know you care. I've gone all sentimental. Oh. What's going on? <laughs> no, I love that, but you're absolutely right. And that's why I love books. And that's why I started this podcast, The Book Alchemist, because there is magic in storytelling. There is magic in those pages. Yeah. Any plans to write a book? Would you ever think about writing a book? Funny you should say that. Oh. <laughs> um, I've got a few ideas. I mean, obviously, they are the, the sorts of ideas that I'm likely to have are going to be to do with with design and to do with living in Scotland and mm -hmm. how that is perhaps different to living in other countries. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so I've got a few. I've written up a few kind of proposals. I, I would I would love to. It's definitely on my on my on my list of things that I would like to do. Uh -huh. Is to is to is to write write a, a book or or two or two or three or three. I don't know. And then my mother has. An extraordinary story, much of which, a life story, much of which didn't emerge until after she died because she'd kept so much of it secret. And the more that my brother and I found out about her and the, I mean, it's kind of like awful. It's an awful story, but sort of extraordinary, unbelievable story. It did make me, so I did think, gosh, this is I could write, this could be a book. Mm -hmm. So there's a bit of me that maybe would write that one day. I don't know if it would be for public consumption, but just to get to get her story straight, mm -hmm. to get her side told, yeah. I think also with writing a book, it, sometimes it's not about, it's not about sales or kudos or success. It's actually taking the time and the energy and the commitment to put the story together, isn't it? 
Yes, I mean, when my agent's like, oh, you don't want to write a book, darling, you'll get absolutely bugger all money. I was like, okay, fine. That's not, that's not why I want to do it, actually. I just, I just feel like I've got one or two in yeah. me. Everybody does. Yeah. I think every single human has got at least one book in them. And to be in a position where you could potentially write one would be such a privilege. Interesting. Tell me about your brand. What is Brand Anna all about? <laughs> It sort of came about slightly, slightly by accident. I was completely unbeknownst to me nominated for the Scottish Influencer Awards and I went along for the party and <laughs> um, didn't even notice them shouting out my name. I was absolutely not expecting to to win it. Not the whole thing, the interiors and design section of it. And so I was then contacted by various brands, you know, wanted to pay me to sell their stuff and my brain just joined some dots. I was like, well, if they want to pay me to sell some stuff, what about if I just, and I, so if there's a value in me selling stuff, I could sell my own stuff. And I hadn't really ever had a, an ambition to design products. I didn't really think that I could, but I thought I'd give it a try. Love it. And then like all of these things, there's a kind of long meandering weird route where I've got this little cabin, a little concrete cabin um, off grid um, on the West Coast and we painted it with Dazzle Camouflage, which is the camouflage that was designed by Norman Wilkinson in the First World War. He was a vorticist artist of the Royal Academy who had signed up for the Navy and he was challenged with making the carrier ships and cargo ships less visible to U-boats. So he painted them with these crazy multicoloured abstract geometric vorticist <laughs> patterns and just thought it'd be fun to paint the cabin like that and then I was doing needlepoint something to do with my hands when I'm doing other things and I thought oh I'll do a dazzle camouflage bit of needlepoint and then I was like oh if I was a brand I was thinking if I'm a brand is it going to be like vintage style or like what what sort of style would be it's just an interesting question to have to ask yourself mm -hmm. actually like if I was a brand what would I be and there's obviously brand consultants that do that for a living. I just went burrowing in my own brain, really, and and speaking to friends and asking other people what they think. Like, what would you think? What would you think I would do? And it's really, really sort of quite a vulnerable question to mm -hmm. ask because mm -hmm. you don't necessarily know if you're going to like the, the answer. answer. Yeah. But it did help me to kind of consolidate my thoughts. So I thought this idea of turning something which had been designed to defend metal ships on a gigantic scale into something soft and colourful and tactile for the home was like, that That, that was quite me because it's sort of quite random mm -hmm. or appear, apparently random. But actually, as soon as I started joining the dots, it's like I've always been obsessed with boats. I used to sail when I was a kid. I know all my knots. I We used to listen to the shipping forecast every evening when we were growing up and and suddenly it all just kind of coalesced. And I've got so many ideas about how the brand can develop and um, some really exciting collaborations coming up. And you're also wearing a nautical themed jumper today. Yes, I've come <laughs> dressed as a sailor. <laughs> Listeners, I'm sorry you can't see my splendid appearance. So in terms of what your aspirations are with your brand, tell us what it's called and, you know, where can we find out more? Well, there was the other thing. So it had a name for a while. And then um, a friend of mine who actually is a brand consultant was like, you're such an idiot. Why aren't you just calling it Anna Campbell Jones? Because 
no one's going to know what the name is, but people do sort of know who you are. So it's just called Anna Campbell Jones. So it's AnnaCampbellJones.com. And then the different ranges are named after shipping forecast areas. And the designs are all based on original watercolors by Norman Wilkinson that I found in a US archive. I mean, I have actually got a book about him. He's a fascinating man. So the US Navy were like, this is good. This this dazzle stuff, this is great. We want some. So he was taken over to America, ostensibly on his honeymoon, <laughs> but not. All right. It, top secret top mission. Top secret FBI type. Yeah, to, to, to teach uh, the, the US Navy how to do dazzle. Wow. And so he did a few designs for them and got them, got the ball rolling for them. And they called it Razzle Dazzle <laughs> because, you know, Americans. What can I say? <laughs> That's so funny. Was there not a shop? I'm sure I remember growing up. There's a shop called Razzle Dazzle. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's quite, yeah, it just rhymes, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, that's amazing. So my last question. Oh. If there was one book that summed up Anna Campbell-Jones, what would it be and why? Oh. So it could be a book that you read as a child. It could be a book that's yet to be written. It could be... It could be a poetry book. It could be a design book. I mean, because obviously you've you've had such an interesting career. I mean, your life changed when you hit 50, didn't it? Massively, yes. Yes, because I've been an academic, a mum and running a design practice. That was my three things. And now my children are grown up and, I've, and I don't lecture anymore. And I'm doing all these other mad stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, and you're such an inspiration because it just goes to show that Hard work, tenacity, creativity and talent pays off. And sometimes, you know, the right jobs and the right projects find you at the right time. Yes. I mean, I have been posting a lot on my socials about the absolute joy of being in my 50s. I absolutely love it. (laughs) I love the fact that I know some stuff. I love the fact that I can confidently say yes and or confidently say no try things that I don't know how to do and understand that if I fail I will still learn something yeah and and not to be not to be so fearful I think yeah and I'm just having I'm just having I'm just having the best time the best time (laughs) but the book I think which maybe sort of represents a bit of a crossover between being a design academic and an interior designer and the presenter and somebody who wants to make things that people can have in their homes that that bring them joy is actually an academic text that I read when I was a lecturer called um, The Comfort of Things by Daniel Miller. And it's just the most beautiful idea. And I would love to actually do something like this that's less ac- academic and more juicy but it was an academic process but he and his researchers they chose a random street in south london and they went into every single home and they talked to each home occupant about all the things that they had in their home and why they had them Uh, okay and it was everything from a very homesick Mexican woman whose home was absolutely kind of chock-a-block full of memorabilia from home and clothing bursting out of every single drawer and every single surface embellished 
to a guy who had who was suffering from like terrible depression who just had a sofa and a dog but all these houses were originally identical but they'd all been transformed mm -hmm. to represent the personalities of the people that lived there in good ways and in sad ways mm -hmm. and what I found really beautiful and, and it's one of the as I say it's an academic book but I mean the chapter about the guy with the dog and the sofa and I was in absolute bits, bits. yeah so yes it's a book about like why home is so important why expressing yourself is so important why and also that it's okay to have things that bring you memories and bring you joy this sort of decluttering Marie Kondo I mean somebody gave me that but my best friend gave me the Marie Kondo book uh, a few years ago very much as a joke because my house is like a ship encrusted with barnacles of life <laughs> all all of the stuff from my parents house my life everything things that I found in skips just it's just you know it's maybe cluttered I think I've got it just on the right side of crazy but um <laughs> I like picking up something and going, oh, I remember Robin gave me that crocodile-shaped nutcracker back in, you know, whenever it was. Yeah, yeah. 2018. <laughs> and it's sort of, um, yes, this idea that, that your your home is like your biography. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's the book. Love it. Anna Campbell-Jones, thank you very much. My pleasure. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take 30 seconds to rate, review and subscribe. It really helps. New episodes drop every Thursday. Thanks so much for listening.